0: Roberts Robinson's Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. So we've been watching Joe Biden's victory tour in Eastern Europe, and it brings up a lot more questions than answers as to what the heck that is we're doing supporting Ukraine against Russia in something that is potentially leading to either a nuclear weapon being used or World War III or something really dangerous happening for the United States and for the world in general. And what I don't understand, I guess, the one-year anniversary, we're seeing, you know, we celebrate anniversaries. The one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine is why we would celebrate something like this. I don't understand the pomp, the circumstance. I don't know if this is a victory lap. I don't understand if it's a call to arms. I don't understand if they hate their polling in the United States. There is very little support for this war, or people that think about it on a daily basis. I don't think the United States citizens are engaged in Joe Biden's words, his messaging, his speeches, and his meetings on this trip. I don't think he's personally gaining anything as president, although I think this is, in a way, campaigning. But the entire policy of the Biden administration scares the living daylights out of me, because I feel like we forced this to happen. I feel like publicly Biden... And his acolytes at some point before this war started were poking the Russian bear with a stick, you know, basically goading them into going into Ukraine. The grand scheme here, we, you know, we've we've looked at all the money that can be made, the people that can enrich themselves through the industrial complex, the war machine, and the people who love conflict, the global elites. I, I see what they gain, and I'm just scared for what this all means for the United States. I hear some people say, well, if you give up part of Ukraine, the Russians will take over, eventually try to take over Europe or attack a NATO country, or a lot of these other things will happen. I think at this point, after watching for a year, we're all less scared of Russia, period, than we were before this started. They look rather inept at times as a military operation. We understand that they're the second biggest nuclear power on earth, and that must be respected. At some point, if they're backed in a corner, or it appears they're going to lose, or if the United States really has some grand goal of taking Putin out of power and changing the government in Russia, don't even think twice they'll hit the red button and start firing those nukes before they're going to let that happen. Why would Vladimir Putin let himself get knocked out of power, his government taken over, and his dream for his country, obliterated by the United States, fighting a war by proxy, why would he allow that to happen without ever hitting the red button? And I think the simple answer is he wouldn't. There will be a panic point if this continues, where if the United States is successful, if we continue to fund all this and Russia's going to lose or he's going to look bad or have to retreat, go back into Russia and put things back the way they were, I don't think this man's going to accept that. I could be wrong. The United States must think that he's going to accept that. But it doesn't really matter strategically. Wars are impossible to predict how they you know, really start evolving and grow their own life, basically, and change. So I'm no military strategist. I'm not really a military historian, although I understand the origins of most of the the wars that have occurred with the United States, how they started, and the circumstances around American citizens and how they felt about those wars. Simple things like Pearl Harbor being attacked in 1941. Pretty simple at that point. The American population was all in to World War II at that point. Let's go win this war. We've sat back, we've watched it happen. We've seen the atrocities. We have stayed out of it because it doesn't involve us. I think that's an excellent policy for the United States. I was always taught that that's an excellent policy for the United States. But if you're attacked or some real atrocity is happening, it's time to get in and save the world. The United States has done this on multiple occasions. We may not have made all the proper actions after 9-11, going into Iraq, doing the things that we did, the decisions George Bush made. But I can tell you this, Americans were behind him. George Bush at one point, I think was polling in the 80s as the commander in chief, which was pretty much unheard of in my lifetime, a president that popular. Did it, how long did it last? A year, maybe. He was an extremely popular president with people on both sides of the aisle. They loved the way he handled the 9-11 crisis. They love the response. They thought we were tough. We all wanted in. There were very few people that said, hey, this is just a bad idea. Let's not go do this. Very few. We wanted an eye for an eye. That's what Americans wanted. And while I can't tell you that I know exactly what Joe Biden and the Democrats are trying to do with our country, I know what they place as their number one priority. Their number one priority always is winning elections. Always. You can't look at anything they do without first asking the question, how does this benefit them winning elections? And so here you have a president going on, I don't know, a victory tour, victory lap. It was staged. He went to Kiev. The sirens went off. Really? The sirens went off? Do you realize that Joe Biden and his people contacted Vladimir Putin and the Russians and said, we're going to Kiev? Here's where we're going to be don't do it. Don't start World War Three right here. We're going in. We're going to meet with him, support it. whatever. They told the Russians they were going. That's how unscared we are at this point that Vladimir Putin is going to do something to the United States. So clearly Putin at this point is afraid of the United States, and he should be. Our military is a much greater operation than his. And if we went into Ukraine, we could push the Russians out in very short order. If we gave air support and started fighting for Ukraine, the Russians would be out in a hurry. They'd retreat. They'd go back. This is not the way to do it. The way to do it, in my opinion, is to not be there. There's nothing there for us. But that isn't what Joe Biden has decided. That's not what the United States has decided. That's not what many Republicans have decided. They like being there, too, because they somehow buy into this thing. If we allow Russia to do this, they're going to take over the world. This is a non-NATO country. We are one year in. Joe Biden is taking a victory lap saying, I've been writing you checks and sending you weapons that have what? Killed tens and, tens and thousands of soldiers, hundreds into the hundreds of thousands of soldiers on both sides, Russian and Ukrainian. We're just killing people and you're taking a victory lap over death. That's what you're doing. Instead of we're a year in, I can flip the table. If I went to Kiev and met with the president and held a nude conference, I'd say, we're a year in, we lost, what, 120,000 soldiers or people or whatever. We've destroyed billions and billions and billions of dollars of infrastructure, buildings, homes, schools, churches, all of these things. And it's been one year and nobody has offered the suggestion of sitting down and negotiating this thing. Nobody's even brought that up. Peace talks, I haven't heard that. Have you heard that? I haven't. There is very little support for this war in this country. Most people don't pay attention to it. But, and, and they're okay with it. They're like, oh, we don't like Russia. That's fine. People who don't pay attention to it. The polling's very light. Most people are just wishy-washy somewhere in the middle. It's like, oh, that thing's happening a long way away. That doesn't involve me. That won't involve me. So ask yourself the question, what benefits the Democrats? What gets them behind Biden in the next election? What gets them behind all the Democrats in the next election? Oh, what if this escalates? What if we keep pushing and pushing and pushing Putin? I'm not talking about us now. You push Putin so hard that he does something really drastic, that he does some massive, giant bombing campaign on Kiev or something. Maybe he drops a small nuke or some dirty bombs or does something really, really different than he's done for a year. And if you get Putin to do that, you get the whole world, except probably China, to turn against him. And you get every American citizen to say, we'll do anything for Ukraine now. Whatever Ukraine needs, we're all in, regardless of the cost for American lives, regardless of anything. There is always in this country a call to arms. Americans will fall in line and just jump on board and say, that's too much. Now you got to deal with Lady Liberty. We're coming to get you. The red, white, and blue is coming to get you. Is that Joe Biden's game here? Is that what he's trying to do? It feels like it to me. When you call Putin and say, I'm going to Kiev and you're not going to do anything about it. And then the Russians, of course, don't. Putin gives a couple speeches, a couple of tough speeches. And there we are. How long will he be pushed? How long will Putin be pushed until he does something that the whole world then says, that's despicable. You're the worst man on earth. That's what Joe Biden is trying to push toward. The pathetic part of this, ladies and gentlemen, is he doesn't care how many Americans die as a result of that. Because if we get to that point and we start fighting in Ukraine or send our bombers over or start getting involved, it is, by definition, World War Three. It doesn't mean it has to be World War II or World War I. It may be smaller, but it would be a world war at that point if the United States went and started fighting. Joe Biden knows he can't do any of that until Vladimir Putin does something really desperate and despicable. Is that what's going on here? I've given you a couple of examples where Americans were all in. You flew planes into our buildings in New York, Americans were all in. If our president said we got to go into Iraq, that's where we go and we support it. And Americans supported it. The Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. Our president says we're going into World War II. We're going into World War II. These are easy calls for the American people. There is no call to arms right now in the United States. Most people don't care. And to be quite honest, most people aren't even paying attention to this buffoon over there. And all this time now he's spending in Poland on his way back. I, I, I just really don't understand most of it. I think the, the little shot in Kiev was staged. Nobody seems as skeptical as me on this. You contacted Putin, you were going to be there, which means you're not worried about him dropping some bomb on the Capitol while you're there. But when you walk through the little square with Volodymyr Zelensky, the sirens are going off. You know, you can take the, make the sirens go on and off, whether there's a threat of an air raid or not, just for looks. And I think they did that. And Biden went over and looked mean and angry and dangerous. And I think the world laughs at him when he does this. I don't think China or Russia takes it seriously. But the American people should be concerned about it. If they're watching him look mean and angry and dangerous and pound and, rah, 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 and all this stuff, he looks like a crazy man. He literally looks like the leaders we used to despise and be afraid of and mock. And that's what he's trying to do. This is how he's trying to get votes in the United States. This is how he's trying to get the U.S. citizens on his side by looking tough, being presidential, talking about a war that we shouldn't even be in. Americans really don't like this war. They don't pay much attention to it. They really don't. And we could be pushing ourselves right into World War III. Marjorie Taylor Greene is upset. She's the congresswoman from Georgia. And she's upset that the president was in Kiev For a one-year anniversary of a war, we're not fighting. Instead of being on President's Day, East Palestine, Ohio, where the train derailed and people are scared to death they're going to die of cancer because all the toxic fumes in the air, where's the environmentalists on the left? Where are all these people? Where's Pete Buttigieg? He's finally going there, right? The president's in Ukraine, says Marjorie Taylor Greene, at a non-NATO country whose leader is a former actor. I'd be careful of the former actor cracks because Ronald Reagan was a great president. But Marjorie Taylor Greene maybe doesn't remember that. I'm not even saying she's the smartest person we have on our side. I don't think she is. But she's the most unafraid to say things, and that drives them crazy on the left. So she's a useful tool for conservatism in America. And I like that. And she is making fun of his visit. And I don't understand why he's there. I don't know what we're doing there. And I really don't like this war. And I don't really see any reason for this. We've, we were never called or brought into this. We're leading this. I don't even think Europe wants to be doing this. I, I certainly don't think the people of Europe want a part of this. I think a reasonable solution, I've said this for quite some time, is sit down, negotiate it out. If that means 20% of Ukraine is gone and the, the eastern border there of Ukraine, right next to Russia, the border that they share, becomes part of Russia done. Let's sign a treaty and say that's it. Putin gets a giant win. He's going to be dead in a few years or be out of power. It'll probably be the last piece of aggression he does. He's seen the devastation. He knows his army isn't as good as he thinks he is. All of these things together give him a little win. The people who live there, by the, the stories that I've read, are probably more than 50-50 in favor of being part of Russia. They still see themselves as Russian and Russian Orthodox. Zelensky, by the way, is running around closing Russian Orthodox churches in Ukraine and oppressing the Russian people in Ukraine. There are people in Ukraine that see themselves as Russian. Meanwhile, back here in places like Kansas City, we have Stand With Ukraine rallies. Stand With Ukraine KC. They went to the World War I Museum, which sort of cheapens World War I, if you ask me. Then they had a rally on the plaza where... A couple hundred people showed up. I went through all the news accounts. I watched them all because I thought, well, I wonder what kind of people go to a pro-Ukraine war rally in Kansas City. And so I looked this up and I, I watched all the videos and every single person that they interviewed had a Ukrainian accent. It was somebody that was either born in Ukraine or closely tied or not even a citizen of the United States, whatever. Again, there were three to 400 people there. They were all white, okay? You want to talk about whiteness? That stands out boldly. Everybody there was Ukrainian in some way, and if they weren't Ukrainian, it was a white person supporting somebody from Ukraine. I assume that's spouses, friends, some relatives, whatever. And I start looking this up. They sang the Ukrainian anthem. They had a great time. How many of these people were parts of other Eastern Bloc countries of the Soviet Union, and they went and supported. I can't answer that. I know this after I looked it up, this thing that could be leading to a World War III or a nuclear weapon being launched, 0.3% of the United States is Ukrainian or partially Ukrainian. That means if you're one quarter Ukrainian, you count in less than a million people in this country, 0.3%. Of our population, there's a bigger population in Canada. Most of the population is centered in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and then some pockets in California. There's very few people in places like Kansas City. We don't generally know Ukrainians. To give you an idea of how few Ukrainians are in America, we're at the first of of March here, right? We're very close to the first of March. January and February are just about exhausted. After March and April are exhausted. More people will have crossed our southern border and entered our country and come in than we have of Ukrainian descent. Period. And that's what we're doing here? So Marjorie Taylor Greene stepped in again, and she has called for a national divorce. She's been talking about this for a while. I don't know how you implement this. I've heard people say that seceding from the union is unconstitutional, that it can't be legal, but it could be ratified by Congress or whatever. We've seen what's happened in liberal states as they've attacked places that were formerly conservative and taken them over. The most specific example is California and the way California operates today and is broke and the problems that they have compared to what it was, let's say when Ronald Reagan was governor of California or even more recent than that, Arnold Schwarzenegger who was a rhino, but at least he, had, he was conservative in some ways. California is a train wreck. Everybody knows California is a train wreck. Marjorie Taylor Greene is calling for a national divorce. She says, if we do this, we can have red states and blue states, which would immediately lead to a smaller federal government that would support these states equally with fewer services. That sounds great. I don't know how you go do something like that. And then I'm not sure I know exactly how you remain one country. Do you just leave each other alone? Do you designate areas and say, listen, if you really want to be where the Democrats are in charge, move there? Do you not have elections then? How do you declare something a red state and then keep it red? Because the blue is going to come after it. We know how this works. I don't see any plan that would work along those lines. But I do believe, and I've thought for a long time, I've thought since Obama became president and I, you know, people don't like to say this out loud. You're not supposed to say this in the United States because I love my country. You're not supposed to say this or think this, but I'll say it. I believe there's a better, and I look, I expect to live another 30 or 40 years. So take that into account. I believe there's a better than 50% chance that one of the states will secede from the union in my lifetime, that it's going to happen. They're going to break away. We forget that we call other countries states. They're actually states, the state of Israel. We say it with other you know places. We are 50 countries. We truly are. We're a united group of countries. Anybody that's ever done this, like the Soviet Union, it had multiple countries in it. Those have broken up. It doesn't work. People balkanize. They simply become uh, too attached to their region and the way they live to support the way somebody 2,000 miles away tells them to live. And I don't see how we're sustainable In in this information age. It's even more complicated to sustain this it's not a warning. It might not even be a negative. Again, I'm not afraid to say it. If Texas or Florida is the country that secedes from the union and they can sustain what it is that they're doing, and that means that the entire apparatus of the other 49 or 48 becomes liberal, by definition, you can't win an election and becomes a uniparty, I'm gone. If there's no way to stay where I am, and there's only one party in power, which is I'm basically now describing Russia and Ukraine. They don't have free and fair elections. This democracy talk is BS, complete BS. Zelensky is an overlord. He is. He's no different than Putin. He wants to run his own country, be in complete control, uh, jail his political opponents, tear down the churches that have religions that don't agree with with Ukraine. There isn't. He does not want freedom in the Ukraine. He does not want freedom. He wants power. He wants control. He wants to make it in his image and make it his country. And Vladimir Putin is no different. And the Democrats in this country are no different. The difference between our two parties is the Democrats want to change everything and make it in their image. Conservatives want the country to to remain as it was founded. We are traditionalists. We're constitutionalists. We want it to stay the way it was intended to be. And yet we have to fight at every turn against liberals in this country who want us to be part of some world order and be involved in conflicts thousands and thousands of miles away that are insanely dangerous. And it honestly, this whole weird tour that didn't really gain any momentum, it won't move any polls in the United States. There there are very few people on a daily basis in this country that think about the war in Ukraine. They don't care. It looks to me like Joe Biden is just begging begging Vladimir Putin to do something that will piss off Americans. Please, Putin, do something outrageous so my people will be behind this and we can get in. He's just begging for war. I've never seen anything like it. This is un-American. It is not who we are. It's not what we do. This is not a conflict where we have anything of any interest. We don't. There is nothing there for us. Ukraine is not part of NATO. There is no charter. There's no treaty. There's nothing here. And to be honest, there's really no citizens in this country. The population here is so small with Ukraine. And, and it would be interesting to ask them, Well, what if, what if part of Ukraine became Russia? Would you care? I don't know. I assume the people that would go to a rally wouldn't be in favor of something like that. But again, Russia occupies about 20% of Ukraine right now. And the land that they occupy has an awful lot of people that see themselves as Russians. This is not our war. This is a president, well, the good thing is he's not any good at this. He's not any good at any of this. But all I've seen over the last few days is a president begging Vladimir Putin to do something crazy so the American people will pound the table, pound their fists, go to the streets, and say, let's bomb the crap out of them. That's that's all I'm seeing. Is a president begging to get into this, and it is an absolute shame. KKHI is brought to you by BStock.net in Olathe, one four six eight zero South Flaming Road. We talk about their TVs a lot. Yeah, that's all there. How about their dozens and dozens of brands and models of computers, from laptops, tablets, desktops—you name it—they do it. They have an awesome Dell laptop there, Windows ten Pro installed for two ninety nine. Now, most places, it's a couple hundred bucks just to get Windows 10 installed. But they've got the whole thing ready to go for you at $299. And the nice people at B-Stock, they'll transfer. If you're not great at computers, you bring your old one in, and they'll transfer everything over for you. Really cool stuff. BStock.net 14680 South Flaming Road in Olathe. Window World, the title sponsor. Of Kevin Keatsman has issues, you got to call Window World this spring. If it's time for new windows in your home, it's time to set up that appointment. If you've seen some water coming in or things around your windows this winter, Window World would love to come out and just give you a free estimate, no pressure ever. Remember, they have a JD Power and Associates Customer Satisfaction Award. They won that again this year. They're simply the best for less. They're the official windows of the Chiefs. They have American-made products and 0% financing. Everything comes with a lifetime warranty. Windows, siding, doors. It's all at windowworld.com or call 816-799-0820. And a pro will come out to your house and take a look at your project. Even if it's only one window, they'd love to hear from you. Mention Kevin Keatsman has issues and you get treated like family at windowworld.com. And our friends at the Bluemont Hotel in Manhattan, we mentioned this a couple of days ago, last week, they're hosting a fundraiser. And this is a pretty cool deal. It's for the Cancer Research Center at Kansas State University. Tickets are 100 bucks, but it's going to be a great night with Dolphins quarterback Skylar Thompson, who will be there at Goolsby's at the Bluemont Hotel. It's an up-close-and-personal setting. It's going to be an awful lot of fun. You could take pictures, get souvenirs signed. There's going to be a ton of K-State players and VIPs there. It's Cox Brothers Barbecue coming in, live music. Great, great cause. Cancer support right here. If you'd like to buy tickets... Or sign up to become a sponsor, click the link at Skylar Thompson's Instagram page. It's at Skylar J. Thompson. That's at Skylar J. Thompson. Or just call the Blue Hotel or Goolsby's in Manhattan and say, hey, I want to come to this fundraiser. How do I do it? That's a pretty cool deal they're involved in. We appreciate them for donating the space, which they have done. Goolsby's at the Blue Hotel to host this event on March 4th. That is March 4th, a cancer fundraiser with Skylar Thompson. If you'd like to go, again, just call the Blue Hotel. Goolsby's or check out Skylar Thompson's Instagram page at Skylar J Thompson. Good stuff there. We did a patron's post on Tuesday, and I say we. It was really the first one that Jessica and I did together. I normally write it on my own. She sends me some stories throughout the week and says, hey, put these in the newsletter this week. And I'm like, great. Thanks for the tip. I appreciate that. That's awesome. And I'll work her stuff in. And at the end, I always sign Kevin and Jessica, because we are kind of a team here. At KKHI. But this time we had all these photos from the trip and and some of the things we do with the patron program, in addition to the in person events that we do, we do a couple, three podcasts, bonus podcasts every week, and then we do the newsletter. And I always describe the patron program as this it's more personal than the regular podcast. We, at our core, are private people. We see the patrons sort of as a family. I see the whole audience as a family, but these. Folks, we've gotten to know so many of them, they come to our events and we've just kind of gotten to know them. It's, it's just a little more personal, I guess. There's more contact. And so we're less afraid. Like I would rather not put all our vacation photos and stuff on Twitter or Instagram. I'm not, I'm not uh, Jackson Mahomes. I don't need my life to be out there. But some folks like to see these things that I normally would keep private. Jessica's pretty good now about sharing some of these things with the patrons. And so we wrote a newsletter Yesterday that it had probably eight or nine pictures and photos from our vacation. And I got a lot of emails last night and overnight and into the morning from people who really, really enjoyed it. If it's the kind of thing you're looking for, if you like the podcast, you want to know a little bit more about me and Jessica and our family and our life, there's some of that in the patron program as well. If you don't, I totally understand. I don't know why anybody would care about the stuff that we do, but for some reason folks do. And so we put it there instead of on social media. I don't I just don't need the world. If if people are in the patron program, they obviously like what we do. They like us. And I like sharing with people like that. I don't want to share anything out there for the crazy people to see that are just going to make fun of us, say horrible things, you know, mock it, make memes out of it. it's, It's ridiculous. It's stupid to do that. We like sharing some information about ourselves with people that seem to like us. So that's kind of one of the things the patron program is all about. If you'd like to become a patron this year, it's easy. It's only five bucks a month. It's a lot of content for $5 winds up usually being about 10 to 12 at least podcasts per month Four newsletters. We, we do in-person events where we get together. We have patron parties and I buy it's free. You come out and I got usually have appetizers set up for you. The only thing you got to do is buy your own alcohol because I can't do that. There's their liability issues with that. We usually go to a place and I I've, I've got food and it's great. And um, it's, it's a lot of, I give away t-shirts and swag and stuff to the patrons. So There's some pretty good value there if you take advantage of it. If you'd like to sign up and become a patron, go to kkhasissues.com. Click on Become a Patron. It is much easier to do this on your computer than your phone. Not that it's hard. It's just sometimes a little more complicated on your phone. You can sign up in less than five minutes. kkhasissues.com. Click on Become a Patron. If you sign up now, I will. if you sign up this week, I'll forward you the newsletter. The newsletters are not all archived. The, the podcasts are. You will get every patron podcast we've done. You'll get the full archive of all the patron podcasts if you sign up now. Those will be accessible to you. And I'll I'll forward you the email, the, the the patron's post is what we call it, the newsletter that we wrote yesterday. I'll send it right to you, personally send it to you, and welcome you aboard if you'd like to sign up and become a patron at kksissues.com. A lot of folks talking about former Chiefs running back Lashawn McCoy. He has a new job on a show called Speak on Fox Sports 1. And you've no doubt heard about his comments now about Eric Bieniemy, which I believe. Everyone with the Chiefs is saying this is not true. LaShawn McCoy is an outlier. He's a crazy man, all this stuff. LaShawn McCoy has a new job, and that is to be on this show on Fox Sports 1. And why do you think they hired him? Think about all the shows that are on TV, all these shows, and how few of them anybody actually says something. I can name on one hand, the number of people that are on TV during the day on on sports talk shows that say something. Shannon Sharp will say something. Stephen A. Smith will say something. Colin Cowherd will say something. I'm running thin on people that will say something. So they put LaShawn McCoy on, and he's just getting started on this show called Speak. And he busts out that I don't don't think Washington commanders are getting anything in Eric bien here. When I was there, he was not involved in the passing game at all. He didn't call the plays. He was a henchman. He'd scream and yell at the players to try to motivate him. You know, he was Andy's henchman, and he'd scream at guys. But that's not what an offensive coordinator is. He had little role, was not engaged. And a lot of times, the only real coaching he did was with the running backs because he was a running back, and he was a running backs coach, and that's what he knows about, and that's it. So that made a lot of run around the country. A lot of people have heard that. A lot of people have seen that. And of course, we've had Chiefs players, even former players like Tyreek Hill respond, say that's complete and total BS. And I've had discussions with friends of mine about, is it real? What do you, who do you believe? All this stuff. And what Chiefs fans want to do is they want to believe the Chiefs players. And they want to believe everything at Arrowhead is always rosy and peachy and great. And that everybody gets along. That's nobody's business. No business works like that, let alone a football team. So no business operates where everybody gets along. Let's just sweep that on the table. We have known for quite some time that Andy Reid can't wait to get rid of Eric Bieniemy. He's tried to get him a head coaching job. This time he got him this job with Ron Rivera, and it's not going to work. This is actually going to kill Bieniemy's chance, I think, of being a head coach, honestly, unless it's just a gift to check some quota box. That's it. But here's part of the story of LeSean McCoy that got no run, that nobody is talking about, He went on to say, I do believe there need to be more black head coaches. I'm all for that. But there's nothing about Eric Biennemi being black that has held him back in his career here in the NFL. Now, wait, why is that not making a headline? Why is that not the national story here? The story of LaShawn McCoy's comments is, I think there should be more black head coaches, but this is not an example of any racism in the NFL being black has not hurt eric biennamy at all what he what he didn't do he, he's one step short of what i will tell you is this is the peter principle eric biennamy got too far in his career he got to too high of a place he's gotten to a place where he's so high he'll fail it can happen to anyone i'm not suited to be the ceo of fox news or cbs sports i'm not I know what it is that I can do and what I'm good at, and I do it. I'm not set out. I'm not, oh, you're a sportscaster. I, I should be the CEO someday of ESPN. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. That's too That's too much for me. Uh, there are other people more qualified for that. That's the way business works. It truly is. And LaShawn McCoy is speaking the truth, saying, no, Eric Biennemi has never been held back for being black, ever, 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 and was not held back for being a head coach here, And then he said, I predict he'll fail in Washington. I want him to succeed. McCoy said, I would love for him to succeed. I'd love for him to become a black head coach. I think that'd be great, but he's not going to succeed. The guy doesn't know what he's doing. Then none of this is about being black. And that's not being reported anywhere. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know where this all goes, but I can recognize somebody in the media. I I do have a, a very strong area of expertise here for me about people who say things truthful in the medium when they're saying the truth. And this reeks of honesty by LaShawn McCoy. And if this is what he's going to be in the media, he's got a chance to be a star. Now, ESPN won't touch him because they don't want to hear that narrative. So he's going to have to do it somewhere else somehow. There are companies that will shun him immediately. He's, by the way, just by saying that being black has never hurt Eric Bieniemy, he lo- I guarantee you LaShawn McCoy lost friends. If we were sitting with him right now at lunch or breakfast or wherever you are at this point, going through his phone, looking at his texts, seeing the things people sent to him, I promise you he's already lost friends. He's already lost friends for speaking the truth. My God, do we need the truth in this country. Thank you, LaShawn McCoy, for saying it. I agree with you. I have said it for quite some time. Eric bien is a fine person. I sat with him one night at the Lenexa barbecue and chatted, and he's, he was friendly and nice and respected what we do in the media, and I respect what he does as a coach, but I'm just telling you, he's not a head coach. There's guys that aren't, and you can see it, and it's got nothing to do, zero to do with being black, and Andy Reid and the greatness of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, the, the bottom line is this. This offense has been so good for so long in Kansas City, anybody on the offensive staff eventually gets a crack at offensive coordinator. Look how many they've gone through. If you're there and you're any good at all, eventually you're going to get a shot. And so Nagy got his head coaching job. Peterson got his job. Biennium becomes the offensive coordinator. They don't go outside the organization. And he promotes guys. It's his guys. And he became something that he wasn't really suited for. And that's a fact. These teams weren't all wrong. They're not all racist. They all interviewed him. They asked him about passing game schemes, and they bring in experts, and they have other coaches in, and they go through this, and they sit there with him, and they go, mm, yeah, no, he's not the guy. That's what's happened to Eric Bieniemy. That's the real world. That's the way it's supposed to work in America. We should be a merit-based society. And thank God for guys like LaShawn McCoy that are actually saying that. I think that's pretty darn cool, really cool. All right, sports today is brought to you by Finch Knife Company online at Finch Co. They've got the Hatfield and McCoy series that are out. The Hatfields debuted on Friday. You can now see this new collection of knives, the Hatfields, at finchnifeco.com or visit Shields in Overland Park or the Bullet Hole. They're awesome knives, man. No better time than now. Fishing season is here. They're great to keep in your tackle box, in your pocket, anywhere. They're so usable for so many things, you can't believe it. Finch knives. Finchnifeco.com. Really the world's best pocket knives and the most beautiful Series out there. Dozens of different models. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch pocket knife online at Finchknifeco.com. Great Life KC. Play more golf this year. GreatLifeKC.com is the website. They have golf and fitness memberships all over Kansas City. From the classic course membership, six courses for one low price. From Leavenworth to Blue Springs. For your individual or your family, very low price. You can play them all. All you want for one low price. Their signature clubs include Canyon Farms and Falcon Ridge, where I play, Prairie Highlands, Staley Farms, Tallgrass Club in Wichita, or destination clubs like Osage National at the Lake of the Ozarks. Join at greatlifegolf.com. That's the email. Just shoot an email off and say, hey, here's where I live. I want to play more golf and I want to save money. And let them guide you through the process. Shoot an email to join at greatlifegolf.com. That's join at greatlifegolf.com. You're going to love playing a great life course anywhere here in the Midwest, or you can call 913-802-4552, greatlifegolf.com. Buck roofing and construction, it's raining on this Wednesday, and if you see ceiling spots or got them anytime this winter, you need to make the call. Make sure it's not your roof. Sometimes it's condensation. Sometimes it's something and you got a pipe leak, but you see stuff. Don't wait. Make the call. Buck Roofing will get right out to your home and check it out. They have emergency service. Something bad happens. Or if you just want to schedule an inspection, call Ron at 913-384-2680. They are online at rbuckroofing.com. That's rbuckroofing.com. And, of course, Jocelyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch, the jewelry you'll recommend to your friends and family. Ask for Cameron or Dave in there. They're awesome dudes. And you know all about Jocelyn's. I still get emails from people. You went for Valentine's Day. You got something sweet for Valentine's Day. It's a great experience. It is old school, old fashioned, and it is a family operation. There's no commissions with any of the sales reps. There's never any pressure. They have the best jewelry at the best prices. That's the only way Gary will have it. Gary is typically in on Wednesdays and Saturdays if you want to go in there someday and see Gary, but any other day is fine, too. At Joslin's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch. All right, one other football note before we move on to something that's really interesting that's going on with baseball. And that is the NFL Films Super Bowl film is out. Some of you may have seen this by now. The interesting part of it is, for the first time, yeah, there's lots of cool Chief stuff there. There's Mahomes. There's all kinds of stuff that's cool. There's a clip of Carl Cheffers, the ref we all love to hate. Maybe that will fade now. During a timeout in the second quarter, it's 21-14 Philadelphia. And Cheffers goes over by this other official, a game official, and the mics are running, and he says, well, Last possession wins. And the other official says, yeah, you got a shootout on your hands, man. And boy, wasn't that the case. How cool was that? And I like that. The NFL doesn't like, you know, they got the officials miked. They do that a lot for themselves. They really don't want the public to see or hear a lot of it because there's a lot of banter with players that will lead fans to believe that, oh, this official likes this team better than this team. There's a lot of that stuff. There is communication on the field. There has to be mutual respect. It's all part of the job. There's a lot of coaching of officials in the NFL and at all levels. I've known officials uh, all throughout my career. They're very dedicated people who really, really, really are committed to going into a game and doing the fairest job they possibly can. I've never met any one of them that honestly goes in and wants to affect the game. They really just want to call it as they see it. And that was a nice moment for Carl Cheffers because that was the human side of this thing. You know, he's during a timeout, he's, last possession wins here today, boys. And the other official says, yeah, you got a shootout on your hands, man. Because you know, it's your game. You're wearing a white hat. you got a shootout on your hands. I thought that was pretty cool. And you might like to know that there were some moments like that in the Chiefs' Super Bowl win. Okay, 14 teams in Major League Baseball have television contracts with Diamond Sports, which is Valley Sports, Kansas City here. Diamond Sports is the parent company. They owe $1.8 billion by the end of March to those 14 teams in Major League Baseball. They only have $600 million on cash cash on hand. So they've only got a third of the money. And Major League Baseball has a decision at the end of that. Every single one of these 14 teams can opt out. That's breach of contract, and that will be the end of it. Baseball is working right now feverishly to find out. We mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, but I'm fascinated by this on exactly how they're going to do it. Major League Baseball, it is most people's belief that when Diamond Sports is bankrupt, they've gone to Major League Baseball and said, will you be our partner? Can we partner together? We'll do the operation. And can we partner together? And Major League Baseball has sort of rebuffed that at this point, saying, with the way media is trending, with everything splintering up, like we've, if I named 10 friends and family members, we all have a different way to consume media. Some do it with YouTube TV, some do it with Spectrum, some do it with, uh, Uh, straight streaming, subwatch on their phones, everything they do through Apple. There's a million different ways to consume stuff at this point, right? And so what's happened with the Royals is not as many people are watching the baseball games because it's all fractioned and splintered off. And they didn't do very good jobs with a lot of the other partners. Like it wasn't available on YouTube TV and places like this. Kids love YouTube TV. Young people love YouTube TV. I have found it to not be particularly reliable, but again, everything post-COVID is different. We have television now where when I was in TV, get the perfect shot, make sure the camera's right, get your makeup on, your hair's clean. You. Now they just do interviews with people sitting in their pajamas on a Zoom call through a computer it looks like crap and it sounds like crap. We've accepted bad. Again, capitalizing or adding to yesterday's rant, we've accepted bad, not not, not average. We haven't accepted that. We haven't accepted mediocrity. We've accepted bad. Like bad television is okay now. Just put somebody on who's got a terrible microphone on their computer. They can't hear. It goes during the interview and you stay with it. We've accepted that. So once you accept that and you know the next generation of people coming along to watch things like baseball games, don't get frustrated when the stream locks up in the middle of the third inning for four minutes. It doesn't bother them. It doesn't bother them. That's all they know. They don't know good They certainly don't know excellent. They're used to bad or mediocre, and people accept that now. And so since that's happened, baseball's gotten caught up in this and they've not partnered up with a lot of these other services. They want money from all of them. Well, the main service, Diamond Sports, is going broke here. Baseball is saying, maybe we'll just take it over. We have the infrastructure with MLB Network. All the employees are hired and in place. They just start, Major League Baseball then starts to pay Ryan Lefevre and Rex Hudler and all the camera people instead of Diamond Sports paying them. It doesn't matter because all these people are approved by the Royals anyway. Anybody that worked for Diamond Sports was paid by Diamond Sports, but had to be approved by the Kansas City Royals. So Royals retain control of all of that stuff. I've been in these negotiations. I've seen the contracts. We had them for four years in on radio. I know how this all works, which is why I never did anything with the Royals radio network. You're like, hey, weren't you, why weren't you the guy on the field asking questions. Why didn't you do something on TV with the announcers or in the radio booth or get involved to promote you know, the radio show and stuff? Is because I'm not working. I'm not doing any job. I was never doing any job that had to be approved by a team. That's not who I worked for. I worked for a media outlet. We cover teams. If you take your check from a team, you're in a completely different position than somebody in regular media working for a media company. Even if your media company has a partnership, I never felt one day over four years I had to say anything nice about the Royals or couldn't touch a subject, never. And there was language written into our contract that way. Times have changed. Now there's language written in that the teams do have control over some of the talk radio and TV guys and things like that. But I was never going to do that. I, I was my own worst enemy in many ways, but it was very important to me to be able to have free speech. If I'm going to do a show, I want to say, I need to identify with what the listeners are thinking, not what the Royals brass is thinking. I don't want to go on there and be some shill. I used to have Mitch Holtis on the show all the time. I get all kinds of emails. Why do you have this shill on? I said, well, he works for the Chiefs. Let's have that angle on it too. The Chiefs were one in 15 one year or whatever it was, two and 14. And he would come on and go, we're close. This is good. And I, I just, people would call and just bag on him and crush him. I'm like, dude, I'm just putting him on for fair play. I'm not agreeing with him. You don't hear me saying that. But if we had a contract with the Chiefs, you can't say things like, boy, this is really going poorly with this and this and this. You know, they, you got to be able to say it. I was always that guy. So where does this go? I think Major League Baseball is going to take it in-house. I don't think Major League Baseball wants to partner with Diamond Sports. I think they're poised to take over and I think they'll probably strike new deals for distribution, maybe one-year deals. The Royals are owed $50 million this year by Diamond Sports. They signed a contract in 2020, six to eight years long, about $50 million a year. And they'll work this out to where maybe there's even some games on local TV. If this happens and MLB takes it over, why wouldn't you have multiple partners? Go do the, Major League Baseball can negotiate on behalf of the 14 teams, put them all on YouTube, Maybe put them all on a cable company, Comcast, Charter Spectrum. They can do all the different deals. They could maybe take all 14 teams and put every single game on Apple TV because they've got a deal with Apple. Major League Soccer just announced that every game this year, Major League Soccer, is on Apple TV, Apple Plus. It's all there. But we're watching all this happen, and clearly it hasn't been great for these teams in these leagues. When, it, when we're talking about local broadcasting rights, it has not been good. The answer for Major League Baseball has always been do it like the NFL. Right now, about half the local revenue is shared. The other half belongs to the local team. So the Royals, let's say they make $50 million off their local media rights. They get to keep $25 million. The other $25 million goes into a general fund for all 30 teams, which at the end of the year gets distributed evenly. So when the Dodgers make $150 billion, or it's more than that, $200 million, four or five times what the Royals make, when they make all that, The Dodgers only keep half. The rest goes into the general fund. Then the Royals get their equal share. So the Royals make a pile of money off the bigger markets, but that still isn't enough. 50-50 split to me isn't enough. This is, if they get this right, this will be the best thing ever for baseball. If they get this right and start working together and begin with 14 teams that are all in the same bad way, and those 14 teams have some sort of an alliance, or Major League Baseball is supporting all 14 in a way, that could lead to a nationalization of the local product where it's all one thing and it's all right here. I think a really good thing could happen. It does make you wonder with these companies losing money on baseball and less people watching, if this is a good time to be asking for a new stadium. I, I keep asking about this new Royals stadium downtown. And I say, look around the world at what's going on. Are we really going to pass a vote? If you got private money and want to build it yourself, knock yourself out. But the state of your television rights is a disaster. Your team is no good. People, your attendance is down. Your ratings are down. Your revenue's down. Your personal revenue's down, not Major League as a total down. But you're looking around going, is this really the right time to think about building a stadium? I'd ask the question, we're opening the airport next week. Tuesday, the new KCI opens, right? All these video reviews are on there. It looks great. I'm thrilled to have a new airport. If... No ground had been broken yet. And we still had KCI right now. And they were talking about building a new airport. Do you think it would pass right now? I don't. I don't think it would pass. No. No, these are things that we did when Trump was president. When the economy was good. Before COVID. We've freaked out. We've lost our way. We'll get it back. Uh, Somehow, some way. we'll get it back. We freaked out. And the things that, that were doable just a few years ago, don't seem all that doable. I don't think the airport would pass today. I don't think we'd have a new air. I don't think there would be any stomach for it. I don't think there's any way that that would happen. All right, we will uh, bring to you some college basketball here to wind this up as Missouri and K State got big wins. Brought to you by Fry Orthodontics, Dr. Jeremy. Oh, my niece is going to Fry Orthodontics in Lee's Summit, the location there. And she's going to have a great experience. My daughter, this is the life is unbelievable. It seems like yesterday my daughter was there. And now Jessica's, Jessica's brother's daughter, uh, so our niece, is going to Fry Orthodontics. And that's really cool. They wouldn't consider anywhere else. Fry Orthodontics has a great location there in Lee's Summit. It's near Raintree Lake. Awesome location. I'm by there all the time because we visit our family out there all the time. 13 locations, somewhere near for you, so there's not much missed school time. And I'm not going to say her name or anything like that. She's my niece, and she doesn't need to be in the public eye or anything like that. But, hey, this is a family deal for us. And a tradition, Fry Orthodontics could be for you as well. Dr. Jeremy, take good care of everyone over there in Lee Summit now because my niece is going to be in that chair in a couple of weeks getting started with her treatment at Fry Orthodontics. MyPillow.com, promo code KKHI. Hey, the new MyPillow is out. I'm getting one. I'm going to get one because I've had the MyPillow for years and they've never changed. The MyPillow 2.0 is out. And they're, Lindell's saying it's better than the original. MyPillow 2.0, I'm going to try it. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. If you want to get one, you can get one now at MyPillow.com slash KKHI. That's going to save you big. The lowest price you can get anything at MyPillow.com or MyStore.com is with the promo code KKHI. So no matter what you buy there, plug the promo code in, takes a massive discount off, and maybe try the MyPillow 2.0 at MyPillow.com slash KKHI or call 800-923-9034. That's 800 923 9034 from mypillow.com. Kansas State was, well, it was its old impressive self on Tuesday night as they rolled Baylor. It was a pretty good game. They got a lead, then they lost it, then they came back and got the lead again, and then they pulled away and Baylor had nothing. They looked tired. Kansas State looked like they were on five hour energy drink. Wildcats went four of 21 from three. Baylor made seven more three pointers and the Cats still won by four. 10, and they were up 14 with like a minute to go. Easy basket after easy basket inside. Marquise Noel had 10 of the most dazzling assists you will see in college basketball this year. It was clearly one of those games where like, oh, they got length on the perimeter. They're guarding the three. So Noel's like, I'll just dish tonight. Noel still finished with 14, but the 10 assists, I'm telling you, they were dazzling. They were dazzling assists. A lot of them to Keontae Johnson who had 25 points. Kansas State looked phenomenal now here's what Kansas State I I maybe change my tune here a little bit they played really crappy the last couple weeks they'd not look good at all and they didn't look very good in the first half against Iowa State they're down eight at halftime and then they pull it out and win it and then they look fantastic last night and I was texting Stan Weber who does the analysis on radio for K-State basketball and he simply said just different team at home different team at home and I said, yeah, that's, that's got to be it. they got to figure that out because they're going to play in Kansas City and they're going to play in the NCAA tournament. So they're going to need to find that energy in other places. K-State now is 21-7, and 9-6 and six in the Big 12, and they would be the three seed in Kansas City right now for the tournament. A, tr- a tremendous game by Kansas State. I, I thought that was going to be – I thought the second half of that game was gonna, it was going to be just like so much hard work for Kansas State to find a way to win. They were down three, I think, at the half. Uh, but they had led in the first half. There was, it was not one of those games where you're like, oh, they're down three. No, they they were fine in the first half. They just didn't demonstrate in the first half that they were going to take control of this game and win it like they did. That was impressive by Kansas State. And Missouri goes to overtime and beats Mississippi State, a team that they had lost to here a couple weeks ago. 66-64 is your final. Nick Honor hits a game winner in overtime with seven seconds left. This one was back and forth. Missouri moves to 20-8, 8-7. And eight, eight and Kobe Brown had 17 in the game. The part I liked about this game, and look, Mississippi State's not a great offensive juggernaut. That's not the point of my comments. But any game I can walk away that Missouri plays and they held their opponent to 36% shooting and forced 14 turnovers, got a bunch of steals, I'm all in on that. That's what Missouri's going to need. That's their big thing. Kansas State's is more turnovers. Kansas State can play pretty good defense at times. Sometimes they don't, but they can. We've seen it. Their thing is turnovers. In the last two games playing at home, they took care of the ball and they won. Missouri's thing, man, it's just defense. If they can hold their opponents to shooting 40, 42%, something like that, they're going to beat a lot of people. A lot of people could be really dangerous in the NCAA tournament if they do that. These are good years for K-State and Missouri. They're very similar this year. They're very similar. I think Kansas State is better than Missouri. uh, But, you know, I'm not sure by how much Exactly. And we'll see where they go. In the end, everybody's judged by the NCAA tournament. And I'll stick with my prediction from yesterday's show. And maybe I'll just do it on every podcast the rest of the way. Until I wear you out, Kansas will be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. You heard it. They're going to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Hey, if you're looking for a great little staycation somewhere close by and you like to play golf, you want to do this with your company, team building, your sales reps, get together. Uh, I mentioned this Pebble Beach trip we took was a, basically kind of a work thing with Rob and the person that owns the company. And it was a, a bonus. Well, this isn't, this isn't Pebble Beach, obviously, it's not, but it's not going to cost you what it costs Pebble Beach. If you've got some key employees or key clients you want to entertain, take them to Manhattan for the night and play a couple rounds at Colbert Hills and stay and play there at the lodges. ColbertHills.com is the website. If you use, if you mention the podcast, you save 15%. They have these lodges right there by the clubhouse. You check in. You play, you dump your stuff off. You play golf on a world-class golf course. If you haven't played Colbert Hills, this is the year. You got to play it. Ask about the uh, Sammy Family Lodges. You can have dinner at Colbert Hills, or they can cater it into your lodge. You can put up to sixteen people in here. They got bedrooms for all. These are really, really cool, brand new stay and play lodges. They got a seventy-five inch big screen in the family room. You can watch Royals games. You can go during the NCAA tournament and play golf in March, and do some cool weekend where you're in there watching the big games on the big screen, and go over to Colbert's for food. It's really a great spot. it would be fun. Email joni at colberthills.com. That's joni at colberthills.com, or maybe you'd like to put together a tournament. We took my buddy you can't mention on the podcast there a couple of years ago for his 50th birthday, and had a big event, but the lodges weren't done then. If they were, I think we'd have stayed over. We took a big bus instead and came back safely after a big day, at Colbert Hills, but that's the way to do it. Joni at That's Joni, J-O-N-I, Joni at colberthills.com. Really a cool thing. All right. Don't forget to tell your friends and relatives about the podcast. I love it when you send me emails and say, hey, we doubled the amount of uh, subscribers here in the house. I got my wife listening. I got my son listening. I have my nephew listening. Thank you so much. Tell them about the podcast. Have them hit the like, follow, or subscribe button. That's absolutely free. It helps a great deal as the numbers continue to climb. I thank you every day for being here. Just tell somebody you think Kevin Keatsman has issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC.